I, I, I'm looking up things as as I'm um, uh, alone at night, uh, <laughs> uh, wandering around my house. Uh, everyone else is sleeping, and um, and and he's speaking to me about about different things in my life and things that, like, he talked to me last night about about. Um, about a vow I might have made when I was like six or seven years old. I thought, well, I haven't thought of that for a long time. So we go through it. We'll just clean up, clean house. And and uh, one of the things that he talked to me about this week was, was um, peace I live, leave you, peace I give you. Not as the world gives do I give it to you. Let not your heart be troubled. Neither let it be afraid. And so, so that's where I'm working on things right now is, is rolling everything over to him before I can make it bigger than it really is. Before, before I can stress it out or, or make it an anxiety issue. I didn't think of myself as an anxious person. I thought I'm a man of peace. I still think I am, but I just have to redefine my words. <laughs> I'm a man of peace, and I'm going to be a better one moving forward. So anyway, one of the things that I wanted to talk to God about, because I don't seem to be getting the answers that I want on a timely basis. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He, uh, he answers the way he wants. And so one of the, the passages that I was reading, it, it seemed that he was doing the very same thing uh, in this passage that I'm having issues with. <laughs> God, why? <laughs> you know, you don't get a lot of answers to why questions on this side of heaven. <laughs> he, he's really good about answering other things, but why? Like, why are you doing this, Lord? And, you know, he, he's not accountable to me. Like, he doesn't have to tell me why he's doing something. You know, he's, he is fully sovereign and able to do whatever he wants to do. Anyway, I, Habakkuk, you know where Habakkuk is? Yes. Let's go to the New Testament and turn left. Five books. <laughs> And you'll find it. Nobody has a real Bible in it. No, my wife does. Habakkuk 1. 1. Thank you, Lord. And it starts... Were you here last week for Bishop Ron? That was awesome, I thought. He is... He is he is a delight to us. Okay. Habakkuk 1.1. The oracle that Habakkuk the prophet saw. O Lord, how long shall I cry for help? I have that underlined a few times. O Lord, how long shall I cry for help? And you will not hear or cry to you violence. And you will not save why do you make me see iniquity? And why do you idly look at wrong? Destruction and violence are before me. 
strife and contention arise. So the law is paralyzed and justice never goes forth. For the wicked surround the righteous, so justice goes forth perverted. Then just to pop down to chapter 2, verse 1. I will take my stand at my watch post and station myself on the tower and look out to see what he will say to me and what I will answer concerning my complaint. And the Lord answered me. Everybody knows this one. Write the vision and make it plain on tablets so that he who reads it For still the vision awaits, awaits its appointed time. It hastens to the end, it will not lie. If it seems slow, wait for it. It will surely come, it will not delay. Behold, his soul is puffed up. It is not upright within him, but the righteous shall live by his faith. Thanks, Lord, for your word. So, if, I encourage you to read Habakkuk sometime. It's just three, three chapters. Uh, in it, the prophet is, is asking God, uh, Lord, uh, my, my Judean brethren are not living by your word. They're not living the way they should. Will you not do something about it? Come on. <laughs> and, uh, and God says, okay, I'm going to send the Babylonians to, to take Judah, <laughs> to, to take your people, and we'll take them into captivity. And <laughs> Habakkuk kind of thinks, that's a little overreaction, isn't it? I was thinking like whack him at the altar or something. And, and so he's sending these great armies to come and destroy everything that they had there. So, so Habakkuk is, is having an issue. Now, what's, what's a, something that we can identify with? Because Babylon just is so long ago, none of us remember what it was like. <laughs> um, if before Russia invaded the Ukraine, you saw some of the things that were happening in the Ukraine, some of the graft and corruption that was happening there, some of the shady deals with, with, uh, well, easy now, <laughs> yeah. with, with people of uh, questionable morals. <laughs> Um, if you saw that, you might think, why, why is God not moving there? Why, why is he letting that take place? And God would be saying, oh, it's okay. I'm going to send Russia. <laughs> and you go, but they're worse. <laughs> like, like aren't, aren't you sending a big fish to take out a little fish? <laughs> And, and that, I think, is sort of the, the, the picture that Habakkuk is, is presenting to us. Having Babylon take out his Judean brothers was just way too much of an, uh, 
over-exaggeration of what Habakkuk saw as the, as the issue, but God sees the heart. So God is dealing with the heart of a nation here. And so he, he's doing something that's going to change them forever, not just, will you guys obey what I tell you to do? So he, they, <laughs> he tries to present it like, I'm watching and I'm waiting, but why are you doing it this way, Lord? And, and God just isn't going to answer that. He, he, do, he doesn't feel that he's answerable to, to Habakkuk. Uh, in, verse, in verse 13 it says, why would you look at the treacherous or keep silent when the wicked swallows one who is more righteous? No analogy is, is sufficient to, to cover what's happening here, but, but I think that the Ukraine thing kind of works. Um, God's response to, to Habakkuk's questions uh, As, as Habakkuk presents his brothers as, well, they're really not that bad. You know, they're, they don't mean bad. They're, you know, they're not bad on the Babylonian scale. They're, they're just not acting right as Jews. They should be better Jews. And, but God sees something actually burning in them changing them and the way that they're, that they're living. And they're, they're not living for God. They don't recognize the goodness of God. Like Brian, when you, were, when you were singing, you were telling us about how good he is all the time. And he is. The suffering thing is hard. How do you deal with people that are suffering? Why should she suffer if she's a Christian? Well, we're looking at it like this is the end of it. You know, the 70 or 80 or 90 years that we have on earth is all that there is. That's the end of the book. Close it up. No more. We have millions of years waiting for us. Suffering here will not be felt in heaven. And God will not see anyone shortchanged. He said, God is debtor to no man. Right? So suffering seems long. My times at night, it, every minute clanks by. Boom. Yeah. Boom. And it takes a long time for the minutes to to go through in the middle of the night. And I can only imagine what people that are suffering in pain and, and, and torment uh, go through. It's just long. So, but God is good all the time. We, he sees everything. And, and he will take us into eternity with his understanding of all of that. As we look at what, what uh, Habakkuk says, the single most important statement in God's response to Habakkuk and his question in, in uh, chapter, chapter 2, verse 4, 
is the righteous live by their faith. Amen. The righteous live by their faith. He says it's, it's so important that you should write it on tablets that somebody running would be able to see it. Wow. This, this is so important to God. You know, um, uh, churches often have those little signs that, with pithy sayings, and you know, you drive by and you think, "Oh, that's that's fun," you know. Um, like uh, uh, they'll they'll put C H R C H. What's missing? You are. <laughs> yeah. um, and and they say that there is an optimal size for the number of words for those things. Six to eight words, a person can read it quickly and assimilate it and take it with them. Not while they're running, but while they're driving their cars. Six to eight words. Okay? So you look at what we were just talking about. God is so smart. This might be the first time you've heard that. <laughs> the righteous... Live by their faith. Six words. <laughs> he says, write it on tablets so that people will remember it. He knows what he's doing. It's so, <laughs> so amazing. Uh, so those six words. The righteous shall live by their faith. And, and in different uh, translations, it it, it changes it just a little bit, but it's always six or seven words relating to the righteous living by their faith. Now, th this is so important in church history. Paul picks up on this in um, um, Romans one thirty-seven, no one seventeen, sorry, and Galatians three eleven. And then he brings it up again in, in Hebrews a little later. But um, he says that the just will live by faith. The just will live by faith. Quotes Habakkuk in Romans and Galatians. And there was another runner that read that and changed world, world church history. And that was Martin Luther. When he put his 95 theses on the... Uh, Wittenberg Church door. Uh, that was one of one of the uh, primary criteria. The just will live by faith. It's faith related. It's not. It's not related to how much money you put in a um, an offering uh, bucket. It's not related to what what works you're doing, although that comes into it. But um, it's the just will live by faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. So we, we need to understand who it is we're dealing with. He is not a God that shows himself in stone or in, in wood. He's not a God who shows himself as an idol. He's an unseen God. 
and his ways are different. <laughs> I've been talking to him about that, you know, but <laughs> he doesn't think they're that different. No. Uh, he, he, we, we must come into a relationship where we believe him. Not just believe in him, because even the demons do that. But to believe him. And he says that if you love me, just do what I say. Now that that rolls off the tongue pretty quickly. But trying to live it out day to day (laughs) has proven to be a bit of a challenge for the human race. If you love me, just do what I say. So look at faith. What what does faith actually mean? You can know your doctrine and know what, what, what faith is described as. But when... When there's Babylonians at your door and they're bashing it down and they're going to take your wife and your children and they're going to kill you, faith, that your definition of faith isn't going to do you any good. Because huh? everything happens so fast and everything is on the line. Is, are you doing this for your God or because he had said something to you or that you had hopes of a better life? The heart of God's response to Habakkuk's question could be translated, the righteous person will live by steadfast endurance. Now, even that'll fit on a board. That's eight eight words. The righteous person will live by steadfast endurance. The righteous will live by being faithful. An explanation of why God was using the Babylonians to punish Judah might have been interesting. But how would it have helped the Judaites when the Babylonian hordes were overrunning Jerusalem, killing the defenders and setting fire to their homes? The response God did give, that faithfulness would enable them to get through the troubles that could not be avoided, was of far greater use than an explanation. So think about, if God had explained why he's doing this, you guys have been bad, and I see this as the best route for righteousness to to work into the the, the hearts of the people. Now, them knowing that, or knowing that, work out your righteousness by faith. The righteous shall live by faith. You you know that there's something beyond this. You know that this is bigger than, than, than just an explanation, or bigger than, than the Babylonians, bigger than Right? Habakkuk wants to, wants to uh, express himself again, and, and uh, God says, no, don't, don't worry. 
the Babylonians will, will be overrun very soon too. You know, like it's not like they're getting away with something. I see what's going on, and I'm going to, my way will be done here. And so the Babylonians are just a tool for God to get done what he needs to get done. And, and we need to remember that he's got a big job, a big job to do, <laughs> run the universe, and still listen to my whining. He's pretty amazing. Yeah. In, in what God had said to uh, Habakkuk, he had promised to restore Judah, and that promise was not yet fulfilled. So the righteous will live by faith. God isn't done yet. Judah has not been restored. We can look at, at all of the other stuff that's happening, but our faith is in the fulfillment of the prophetic word. And even in our lives, that's so important. You, um, if you have prophetic words, review them. If people have spoken prophetic words to you, that even if they look like they've been full, fulfilled, review them again. Often there's deeper levels, different things that God's bringing out. Review your prophetic words. Because he has promised those things to you. And, and he always delivers on his promises. He's so good. So good. Yeah. Thank you, Jesus. So God has a longer range plan than, than Habakkuk could understand. The, he said... In uh, verse two, chapter 2, verse 14. Now, now listen to this. You want to know how, how far he sees? <laughs> the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. That's Habakkuk 2, 14. God's promise, <laughs> God's answer to Habakkuk is... There is stuff coming that they, it will not be fulfilled in 2022. You know, like <laughs> we're, we're a few years ahead here. We have not seen this yet. But God's promise is true. And so he's telling Habakkuk, it's coming. The earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. So, the righteous will live by faith, or sorry, the, the righteous will live by being faithful. In other words, by relying on God's strength, that they will persevere. It must be acknowledged, however, that perseverance is not a popular topic in today's culture. Um, I have a quote here from Eugene Peterson. He wrote the message, but I really like his, his, the books he's written. He, he's a wordsmith, and he's able to put things together in such a beautiful way. He says, One aspect of the world that I have been able to identify as harmful to Christians 
is the assumption that anything worthwhile can be acquired at once. We take that on as Christians. Anything worthwhile can be acquired at once. If you can't acquire it at once, dismiss it. Get on with something else. And Eugene Peterson sees that as detrimental to Christianity. I'll tell you why. <laughs> we assume that if something can be done at all, it can be done quickly and efficiently. There's a great market for religious experience in the world. There is little enthusiasm for the patient acquisition of virtue, little inclination to sign up for long apprenticeship in, in uh, what earlier gener generations would have called holiness. You don't, you don't see many places offering three to five year internships on holiness. <laughs> wow. Right? I think Wes is here for that. <laughs> Did you sign up for that, Wes? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because it, doesn't, it works against the culture that we're in, but we've taken on so much of the culture, I think I'm going to rant now, and I shouldn't do that. It's going to get my heart going. So, yes, Lord, I hear you. <laughs> the culture that we're in is, is detrimental to Christianity sometimes. Sometimes? Well... It, it lets us have tax breaks. So, yeah. Peterson, Eugene Peterson, uh, uses a, a phrase from uh, Friedrich Nietzsche um, to give us something to think about what perseverance in the Christian life should, should look like. And he calls it, this is Nietzsche, says, a long obedience in the same direction. A long obedience in the same direction. That, that's seven words. It would fit on one of those, those signs. The Apostle Paul had something like this in mind when he told the, the Galatians, let's not get tired of doing good because in time we'll have a harvest if we don't give up. Galatians 6, 9. Thank you, Lord. Paul picks it up again, like he does it in Romans and Galatians, and we talked about that. But in Hebrews 10.38, he looks at the same, the same picture that we're, we're looking at here, and he says, you need to endure so that you can receive the promises after you do God's will. Hebrews 10.38. You need to endure so that you can receive the promises after you do God's will. Do you see a common thread in this? Life might be hard, and it brings things that are difficult to face. We may have questions about those troubles for which no answers are forthcoming. Sometimes evildoers will seem to come out on top, but steadily... But, sorry, but steady faithfulness to God, enduring trust in God's assurance, 
persevering reliance on God's strength, a long obedience in God's direction, holy living every day. Whatever terms you like to use, it's the way to go through the difficulties in life that cannot be avoided. Thank you, Lord. Habakkuk says himself in uh, chapter 3, verse 17, Though the fig tree does not blossom, though no fruit is on the vines, though the produce of the, the olive fails, and the fields yield no food, though the flock is cut off from the fold, and there is no herd in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will exalt in the God of my salvation. We may be going through a terrible time in the next year, two years, whatever. Will we be able to say that same thing? Though there is no food in, in my cupboards, though I can't afford the heat in the middle of winter, will I, like Habakkuk, will I rejoice in the Lord and exalt the God of my salvation? That's where our place will be in this. People, you, your neighbors will, will, will look at you sideways as you, as you tell them that, that kind of a response. I will rejoice in my God. But you got no food. I, I will rejoice in the God of my salvation. What, what is there about that God of yours? Can you tell me a little more? Because... Because you've got nothing. I've got nothing. But you have this hope. What is that hope based on? Chuck? A friend of mine, a pastor, Pastor Ron Van Vivort, in Sweden they had nothing. No food and nothing. So we asked his kids if we'd got five kids, four kids, and his wife, what do you want? They said, we want potato soup. He said, okay, that's great. They bowed their heads around the table, and they just asked for potato soup. You know, you know, Chuck. That's that's a good story. Um, and there's lots of stories like that. Um, George Mueller, his his uh, orphanages were supplied that way. But today, people would look at fifty pounds of potatoes and say, "That's not soup." <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm waiting for soup. <laughs> the long obedience of faithfulness is not an experience of constant buoyancy. In each of us, faithfulness may ebb and flow in our minds and our hearts and our emotions. Our fragile faithfulness will need tending to time and again, especially when we're facing great losses. It will need the support of fellow Christians and, care, and a caring congregation. It will need to be rethought and held on to. But with God's help, we will live by faithfulness. That was Peterson. <laughs> 
yeah, he's a wordsmith. He's just <laughs> he puts things in a, in a way that boggle my mind. Um, maybe I did write. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, he's uh, God's faithfulness is something that we can hang on to because because he he has never lied. He has never broken a promise. He always wins. He's never seen a storm that he liked because he rebuked them, right? <laughs> He's the one that we want to hold on to. The just will live by their faithfulness. The just will live by their faithfulness. Can we be faithful even though things aren't going the way we had hoped they would go? Can we be faithful even though there's more pain and more sorrow, more, more wind and waves, as Brian so eloquently puts in his songs? <laughs> it's, uh, it's about God and, and about us hanging on to him no matter what. Because he is the only answer for the long run, the long haul. And a, a, a long obedience in this, the same direction is us looking at God and following him no matter what. Stefan had that word about, about blinders and about you know just being focused on, focused on God and, and letting all the other stuff Although it's it's almost overwhelming, you know, like the 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 horses down here, they not only have to deal with other horses when they're racing, they have to deal with buggies, wheels turning, and stuff that the horses can't comprehend quickly. And so, if they looked sideways, it would overwhelm them, and and they crash. And jockeys really don't like to do that. <laughs> So they put blinders on them so they can stay focused on the goal. And faith is our blinder. Faith is what gets us to the goal. Faith is what gets us to the end point. Review it sometimes. Be aware of where your faith is. Don't let it be eroded. Don't let it be pulled away from you. Stay on track with God. That's my admonition for today. Let's stand. Well, thanks, Lord, that you're so good all of the time. Even when it seems like you're not being good, like to the the poor people from Judah who were being told that they're going to have the Babylonians come and calling on them. I, I can't imagine that they thought that that was a good idea. But yet you're good in it all. You have redemptive plans for the people of Judah and you see what everybody else is doing to your people. And you say, vengeance is mine, says the Lord. 
Nothing goes by you that you're not aware of and that you're not dealing with in your time. Our faith today, Lord, is in you and on you. The just will live by their faith. Thank you that the people here are the just. We have been justified, just as if I had never sinned because of what Jesus has done for us. And so, Lord, we, we thank you and we love you. You're so good. Would you show that to everybody here sometime this week? Show us your goodness, Lord. Show us your goodness. When, when uh, Moses wanted to see your glory, you showed him your goodness. And that, that is so important that we understand that. Thank you for your goodness. Bless each one in Jesus' name. Amen.